What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I am here with my week eight college football preview and prediction. We're going to be talking about LSU, Ole Miss, Oregon, UCLA, Clemson taking on Pittsburgh, and Oklahoma State going on the road to take on the Iowa State Hawkeyes. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you go ahead and follow me on my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. If you haven't subscribed there already. Now, LSU is 4-3 and three going on the road to take on 12th ranked Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going into this game as a 10 and a half point favorite. Now, there was news that came out a day ago that LSU is going to be parting ways with head coach Ed Orgeron at the conclusion of this season. Now, despite the news that came out about Ed Orgeron not returning to LSU next year, I still feel like this LSU team is going to play hard under Ed Orgeron, and I still feel like this is going to be a competitive football team, even though he's not going to be returning next year, because I've seen a lot of people saying that the season for LSU is over now that the news has came out. You know, there are a lot of people saying, why would you announce this during the season? Like now the players are going to give up and things like that. And I disagree with that statement. And here's why I disagree with that, because you guys got to understand that there are players on this LSU football team that are playing for a lot of things, okay? Like, you can say, like, the players have given up. I don't think all the locker room has given up, and that's apparent by their win last week against Florida. And I don't care how you may feel about Florida, how good of a football team you feel Florida is. Nobody was really expecting LSU to come up with the upset. And the fact that they were able to do that shows me that this team is still playing hard hard under coach O. Okay, like if you want to see a good example of a team giving up on their head coach, for those of you guys who watch the NFL, John Gruden's last game coaching for the Las Vegas Raiders, they lost to the Bears and the game wasn't even close. If your team is getting blown out and not competing and not being competitive in any game, that is a prime example of your team giving up on you. But Ed Orgeron so far, this LSU team hasn't really gave up on them. And you guys got to remember that you still have coaches who are trying to get another job you got coaches trying to coach for their job you got players who are trying to compete for some playing time next year trying to get some film so maybe they can hit the transfer portal and transfer to another school you got some players who may be seniors in their final year of eligibility who are still trying to play and get some film so maybe they can get drafted or signed by NFL team next year so like there are still a lot of things in place for LSU that's going to give all these coaches and all these players a reason to play hard and coach hard and I don't think this team has given up because if this team gave up really then I feel like they never would have been 
Florida. And that was one of the prime reasons why Ed Orgeron was, you know, coming to the decision for him and LSU to part ways, apparently, because coaches don't want to coach for him and players don't want to play for him. And that may be true, but also you do have a good amount of players in that locker room who do want to play hard for him because they know what's at stake because they're still competing to look impressive for the next head coach who comes in there to get some playing time next year. So there's still a lot of players who still have a lot to play for and you still have coaches on this staff who still have a lot to coach for. You have some coaches on this staff who may be coaching for their career. This very well could be the last time some of these coaches ever coach D1 football on this level again. And this may be the last time that some of these football players ever play football again because they may not ever get a shot in the NFL. So, Running back Davis Price for LSU has been pretty impressive over the last couple of games, okay? He was really good against Kentucky. He was really good last week against Florida, 36 carries, 287 rushing yards, three touchdowns, eight yards per attempt. Like, I'm trying to figure out where has the running game been for LSU for this whole entire season because it seems to have been non-existent until the last two weeks. Now, for Ole Miss... Ole Miss defense has not been good when it comes to doing anything, and their run defense especially hasn't been great. Let me remind you that Ole Miss allowed 222 rushing yards against Tennessee last year, last week, and overall this year, they have the 112th worst run defense in college football. So I definitely feel like LSU and Davis Price should be able to keep up the consistency and the run game. Now, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you should be concerned when it comes to your starting quarterback, Matt Corral, because Lane Kiffin just came out a couple of minutes ago before I started recording this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you guys don't know, every video that's uploaded on the channel is uploaded on audio platforms, on podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check those out down in the description down below. But yeah, so Matt Corral was banged up against Tennessee and I mean it's not really a surprise because anytime you run your quarterback 30 times he's going to take a substantial amount of damage so for Lane Kiffin I know Matt Corral is a talented player and all but Dane do you really have to run your quarterback 30 times like Lamar Jackson isn't even running the ball 30 times like I think there kind of has to be low management a little bit when it comes to Matt Corral, try to find some other ways to get the rain game going because you don't want your star quarterback to take too many hits and then you end up losing for the rest of the season and then potentially damaging his hopes when it comes to the NFL next year. But I don't know if he's going to play in this game or not. Lane Kiffin pretty much said that they're going to take it day by day. He hopes that he plays this weekend against LSU, but nobody really knows for sure. So we don't know if he's going to play or not. But I do think that it's really important that Ole Miss continue to have success on the ground the way that they have had over the last couple of weeks. Even if you take out Matt Corral, like I still feel like they have a pretty good group of running backs who are more than capable of being able to get the job done. And you look at this Ole Miss defense, defense like even if Matt Corral doesn't play like whoever comes in and replace a Matt Corral if he doesn't play in this game you still have a 
great chance to win this game because LSU's defense is awful. The only thing that LSU is really good at doing defensively is their ability to get after the quarterback. And they did have a couple of turnovers that they forced last week against Florida between Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. But overall, regardless of who's at quarterback for Ole Miss, I still feel like this Ole Miss offense should still be able to pick up where they left off. Now, even though this offense may not be as efficient as what it would be if Matt Corral was starting and if he was able to play in this game, but I still feel like Ole Miss offense shouldn't have any struggles going against an LSU defense that pretty much has allowed their opponents to do whatever they want them to do. Now, for LSU... You're going to have to be able to find a way to get some stops on defense some way, somehow. Last week, it was by forcing turnovers. This week, you're probably going to have to have two things go your way defensively. If you can't force turnovers, you got to have a bend but don't break philosophy, which means, yeah, you can allow Ole Miss to get all the yards that they want to get against you, but when it comes down into that red zone area, that's where you try to make a stand and try to get Ole Miss to come away with some goals instead of walking away with six points on the board because if you're LSU I think you should feel pretty confident about your ability to move the ball on this Ole Miss defense but again you can't allow Ole Miss to match you point for point. You're going to have to get some stops. And I really feel like if LSU can force Ole Miss to have to come away with some field goals instead of touchdowns, then I definitely feel like that would be a moral victory for them. And on top of that, Ole Miss is a team that does go for it a lot on fourth downs. Um, Lane Kiffin is really invested into analytics, depending on what side of the field they're on, depending on the floor of the game. He'll go for it on fourth down a pretty good amount of times I feel like Lane Kiffin goes for it more on fourth down more than the majority of coaches that are coaching football right now so I really think that it's important that this LSU defense is able to tighten down in those fourth down situations because essentially you can end up walking away with Ole Miss being in the red zone and you can end up you know having to stand on fourth down inside that red zone territory where Ole Miss goes for it they don't convert, and then, you know, they come away with no points. So that's also another way to get some stops. But I really feel like the red zone area and the fourth down defense for LSU is where they have to be able to come up and play big at. Now, for Ole Miss, I really feel like they just need to play their game, not turning the football over. You know, I would like them to lessen the amount of carries that they give Matt Corral. You know, maybe try to give the running backs more workload. I don't really think it's smart to have your quarterback, like I mentioned earlier, running the football for 30 times a game. So I think that they need to get their running backs a little bit more involved in the run game department. And they do have a pretty good stable of running backs. So it's not like there's like a, you know, lack of talent there. Like their running backs are more than capable of being able to pick up the production and taking away some of those carries from Matt Corral. But I really feel like for Ole Miss, even if Matt Corral doesn't play, I still feel like, you know, the offense should still be pretty efficient just because how good of a play caller Lane Kiffin is. But also for LSU, okay, you're going to be able to score some points on Ole Miss. Ole Miss defense is not going to be able to stop you every single possession, okay? So you're going to be able to put some points up on the board. But for Ole Miss, 
I feel like if they're able to get consistent pressure on Max Johnson, they're going to have the opportunity to come away with some takeaways and some key stops because I feel like Max Johnson is a better quarterback than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. Like, I always see a lot of LSU fans slandering Max Johnson, but I think Max Johnson has a lot of potential. I feel like if LSU can, you know, make a good hire to replace Ed Ordron and that head coach, rather he be an offensive-minded head coach or a head coach who has to bring in his own offensive coordinator to call the place. If you bring in the right staff, I really feel like Max Johnson has the potential to be one of the best QBs in all of college football because I think that, you know, he has good arm strength. I do think that his accuracy is on point from time to time. I just feel like if you just bring in that right coach and that right OC, you could really get Max Johnson playing at a really elite elite and high level, but one thing that he doesn't really excel in is when he's under duress, you know. Sometimes he'll try to do too much. He'll try to play hero ball. Remember when he tried to throw the ball behind his back and things like that. So he gets a little bit too reckless and too careless with the football when he's under pressure. So if you're old Miss, you're able to get that pass rush going against an LSU off the line that hasn't really been all that great, then you're going to have the opportunity to get some stops on defense But overall, I'm going to take LSU to win this game, regardless of if Max John, well, regardless of if Matt Corral plays or not, I still feel like Ole Miss is going to come away with the victory because I feel like Ole Miss defense is going to be able to get some key stops during this game. Meanwhile, LSU's defense, I don't really know if they're capable of being able to produce key stops. Now, if Matt Corral doesn't play, then yeah, their other quarterback may have, you know, a turnover issue where he'll turn the ball over a couple of times but overall I just don't really trust LSU's defense man I really don't see any way that this LSU defense gets any stops even if they have a backup quarterback in and replace a Matt Corral they can still run the football there's nothing really that LSU's defense has showed me that gives them the advantage in this game and gives me the confidence of believing hey you can get a key stop or two like Ole Miss defense they showed me they can get a key stop or two but I don't really see that out of LSU and even then when you look at their performance against Florida last week like Florida still was able to come back and nearly won the game so I'm going to take Ole Miss to win this game and I think that they cover I think Ole Miss wins this game 52 to 38 is my final score prediction in this game. Now, next up, we have my game of the week. We have 10th ranked Oregon, who is 5-1 on the year, traveling to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA, who is 5-2. UCLA is a a 2.5-point favorite in this game. It's going to be played on ABC with a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Now, this is my game of the week, and... I was really excited for this matchup earlier on in the season, especially when UCLA was playing really well. And then you had Oregon, who was coming off the upset victory against Ohio State. And even though this isn't a matchup of two highly ranked teams, you know, Oregon is highly ranked, but UCLA is unranked. I'm still really excited about this matchup because this is probably the game of the year in the Pac-12. We had a really good game um, a couple of weeks ago when UCLA took on Arizona State. Now this is probably the game that if you're a Pac-12 fan, everybody's going to be watching 
watching you. You're going to be having this game broadcasted nationally. And on top of that, college game day is going to be there. Now, Oregon hasn't been the same team ever since they defeated Ohio State earlier on in the season. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I've watched a little bit of Oregon games, but I haven't really watched a whole entire Oregon game. I mainly watched like the second half or I'll try to find a condensed version. I saw their game against Stanford because I just had to watch it because it was wild in the way that they lost. But Anthony Brown has to play better. He has to be more consistent. I feel like he had a pretty solid outing against Cal last week, 20-28, 244 passing yards, a touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown and had 44 rushing yards on the ground. But overall, the Oregon fans have been pretty disappointed with how Anthony Brown has performed up to this point of the season. It's like, okay... He, he had the game of his life against Ohio State. You had people who were making the argument saying that, you know, Anthony Brown has entered the Heisman conversation. But ever since that Heisman game that he supposedly had against Ohio State, the game of his life, he kind of has came back down to earth. And one thing about Anthony Brown is that, you know, he takes care of the football, you know, but sometimes his accuracy can be a little spotty. And, you know, sometimes you don't just have the big plays there with Anthony Brown at QB but I don't really think that it's fair to point all the blame on Anthony Brown I also feel like the play calling hasn't been the best and the play calling for Oregon is something that has been scrutinized for over the last couple of years especially when you look at Justin Herbert when Justin Herbert played a lot of people were trying to say he was a bust and then he gets to the NFL he's going off and everybody's like why is this well the reason for this is because the play calling for Oregon hasn't really been great so So I feel like Anthony Brown needs to be better, but I also feel like the play calling needs to be better as well. And there were Oregon fans out there who were surprised that UCLA was a favorite to win this game. Now, some websites have Oregon as a favorite, but I do all my odds based on, you know what? ESPN has and right now still at the time I'm recording this I'm trying to check it right now UCLA is still a two and a half point favorite so some people are surprised by that but honestly I'm not really surprised and it's for several reasons one teams in the Pac-12 haven't really been all that consistent I thought Arizona State was going to be really good this year. And Arizona State still looks like a really good football team, but they're inconsistent. Same thing with UCLA. They're inconsistent. Oregon, they're inconsistent. The only difference is, is that Oregon lost to Stanford. They have one loss. UCLA, all the other teams have multiple losses. So when you look at Oregon, Oregon is the team who's supposed to be the most talented team in the Pac-12. And I understand that. But when you look at UCLA, I think they are a very good matchup for Oregon. Everything that Oregon does well, UCLA has a counter for it. And UCLA is a physical football team. And Oregon kind of under Mario Christianball has built themselves to be a physical football team, even though they have tons of athleticism on the defensive side of the football. But UCLA, they're physical, 
And they're a really good football team when it comes to running the football. And they're also really good against the run. Okay, UCLA's run defense this season is allowing 3.2 yards per carry, which is 17th in the nation. And they're allowing 95.3 rushing yards per game, which is 11th. So they have one of the best run defenses in all of college football. And when you look at Oregon, this is a team that really is predicated based on the run game. You know, that's really how things get going and for Oregon fans I saw one Oregon fan that said that this could be the game that if Anthony Brown struggles we could potentially see a change at quarterback and I agree with that statement because this is a UCLA defense that if they're able to have success shutting down the run game of Oregon and Oregon has to rely on Anthony Brown to win throwing the football you know you wonder just if he's going to be able to do it. And Oregon does have the talent. It's not like they don't have any weapons on the outside of wide receiver and things like that. The question just is, you know, how consistent can Anthony Brown be as a passer? And that's something that he's really been inconsistent with this year. So this could be a game that if Anthony Brown isn't able to get the job done and we go into halftime and the game is tied or Oregon is down and Anthony Brown hasn't played well, then we definitely could see a new quarterback coming in into this game. Like, this is a game that I feel like Anthony Brown has to perform well in if he wants to submit himself as the quarterback in Oregon. Because right now, man, I really feel like, you know, there's a strong possibility that if Anthony Brown continues with the lackluster performances, that there could be a change. We've seen it with Oklahoma. Now, I know you had a solid outing against Kyle, but Kyle is like a 1-5 football team Oregon should have went in there and blew them boys out the water now positive is that Anthony Brown if he does have to throw the football through the air to win the game for Oregon he should be able to do so because UCLA's pass defense isn't all that great they allow 290 pass yards per game which is 116th right now in college football so I mean Anthony Brown has the weapons you're going against a lackluster secondary he should be able to get the job done really if he struggles in this game it's most likely majority of it is going to be on him now Oregon secondary on the flip side, I don't think their secondary is the greatest, but I definitely feel like it's going to improve or it won't be exploited as much in this game because one, UCLA is a team that's predicated on running the football and two, if UCLA can't have success running the football, they're going to be in way more trouble than what you potentially would be if you're unable to get the run game going because Anthony Brown he just has been inconsistent he can get the job done as a passer because Oregon has the talent around them meanwhile when you look at UCLA this really isn't a team that's built to beat you having to throw the football over 35 plus times in a game because on top of that you also got to look at what they're matched up against you're matched up against a really athletic front seven that Oregon has led by Kayvon Thibodeau who potentially could be the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft so if UCLA gets put in a position where they have to throw the football to win they're going to be at a major disadvantage because DTR we already know what he is he's not the greatest passer in the world he's somebody who's able to do it all 
tall, you know, with his legs and whatnot. But if you have to rely on him to strictly beat you throwing the football in the pocket, that's not really a great recipe for success. You know, it could happen, but against this Oregon team, I don't really feel like that would be in their best benefit because you're going to have to worry about Kayvon Thibodeau. And if I'm UCLA, I'm trying to avoid him at all costs, running in the opposite direction, you know, and I probably wouldn't want to put the ball in the air that many times. And UCLA needs a big game from DTR. You know, he had a pretty solid game against Washington, 21 of 26. 186 passing yards a couple of touchdowns he had a rushing touchdown to go along with 87 rushing yards but to me I think he's going to have to do a little bit more in a passing game because if you're a Bruins fan you got to ask yourself okay what if we're putting a worst case scenario like Oregon if we're not able to run the football JT well if you have to throw the football to win this game I think that's going to be a major disadvantage not because I don't trust your wide receivers but mainly because you have to worry about Kayvon Thibodeau meanwhile UCLA they don't have a player like a Kayvon Thibodeau that has the impact that he has and I think now that Oregon's offensive line is a little bit better in pass protection than UCLA's offensive line in my opinion but for UCLA, you got a good group of running backs. You got Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown, who have been money all year when it comes to running the football in that ground attack. You got Oregon, who has running back Travis Dye, who had 145 rushing yards. The touchdown was averaging 7.6 yards per carry against Cal. So this is a matchup that I'm excited for because two of these teams match up against each other very well. I think Oregon is a very good matchup against UCLA because if Oregon, with that athletic defense, able to have success against the run, then they can be in a lot of trouble. But you look at UCLA, a physical football team that can push Oregon physically I also see why people can see UCLA winning this game. Now, for me, I'm having a really tough decision trying to figure out who I'm going to take to win this game, okay? Like, I'm going to say that UCLA pulls off the upset. And the reason why I think that UCLA is going to pull off the upset is because with Oregon, you don't really know what team is going to show up. We don't know if we're finally going to see that Oregon team that rose up to the occasion against Ohio State, or if we're going to be seeing the Oregon team that we've seen ever since they defeated Ohio State. And on top of that, you know, their offense is really hit or miss sometimes. I feel like UCLA is a little bit more consistent in that area, but also I could see UCLA losing this game and losing to Oregon, but I'm going to take UCLA to pull off the upset. I think they win this game 31 to 30 is my final score prediction I think this game comes down to a last second field goal or last second touchdown so give me UCLA with the upset like I said this game could go either way but I'm going to take UCLA to get the upset the next game we have to talk about, we have Clemson, who is 4-2 on the year, traveling to Hinesville to take on Pittsburgh, who currently is ranked 23rd in the AP Top 25 poll. Pittsburgh goes into this game as a three-point favorite. Think about that. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Pitt Panthers are a three-point favorite against Clemson. Clemson is an underdog in this game. That's crazy, man. Like, who would have thought that Clemson? 
one of the best programs in America right now will have the season that they're having to point that they're not a favorite to beat Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is a really good football team. As a matter of fact, you probably could say that Pittsburgh has been the best team in the ACC so far this season, unless you're a fan of Wake Forest or NC State, because Kenny Pickett, man, Kenny Pickett is going on a tear so far this year, man. 1,934 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, the only one interception. Like, this dude is going on an absolute tear. And I'm surprised that not enough people are bringing up his name in the Heisman conversation. Everybody's talking about Bryce Young, Matt Corral, Byron Robinson, but nobody has brought out Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, to me, has been the best quarterback in the ACC. Meanwhile, you look at a Pittsburgh offense that is rolling, you're looking at a Clemson defense that not only is rolling, but is being the life support of this Clemson team, okay? Clemson has one of the best defenses in all of college football, their fourth in points per game allowed, their 27th in yards per game, 30th against the run, and they're good against the pass, and they also have a really good defensive line that can get pressure on you, so I want to see how this Pittsburgh offense performs against this elite Clemson defense because Pittsburgh hasn't faced a defense like this up until this game now you look at Clemson on the other hand and if you're a Clemson fan you shouldn't be asking yourself why are we an underdog against Pittsburgh because I think it's Pretty blatantly apparent why you're underdog going into this game because your offense has been dreadful all this year. You know, you have lack of talent at wide receiver, which seems odd to say because outside of Justin Ross, you know, you don't really have that much talent there. And I don't want to say they don't have talent because, like, they do have a lot of highly ranked guys on that squad and things like that. But I really feel like they don't really have, you know, like, Their skills just aren't there yet, in my opinion. You know, this is a team that has struggled to have those big explosive plays, whether that be in the run game or in the passing game. I feel I remember them having a deep passing touchdown last week against Syracuse when I went back and watched that game. But ultimately, this offense has pretty much been dink and dump. Kind of reminds me a lot of how the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is or was last year with a lot of dink and dunk plays because they struggled to stretch the field. DJ Uyungle, I don't really feel like he played bad against Syracuse last week. I felt like he had a pretty good game. I just feel like his wide receivers let him down. You had a lot of drop passes. You had some mental errors. Like everything that could go wrong with this Clemson offense has went completely wrong and it's gone completely left. And in this game, you kind of have to get everything from going left to going right because this is a Pittsburgh offense that I believe that they're going to end up scoring 20 in this game. Clemson's defense is really good, but if their offense continues to struggle in this game, eventually... Pittsburgh's offense is going to end up getting something going because eventually that defense for Clemson is going to get tired because the Clemson offense can't sustain drives or they keep going through. And now it's kind of it's kind of like a leak, okay? So like you ever had a leak in a bathtub, you patched it up with something, you patched it up with some tape, and that works for a while, but eventually, you know, the tape ends up wearing off and the water ends up coming out through the bathtub eventually. It's kind of like a dam, you know, the dam keeps everything clogged in. And 
opponent has a couple of leaks, you try to patch those leaks up, but eventually, you know, the dam ends up just collapsing and water just ends up breaking through. And I think that's what could happen in this game if Clemson can't get anything going offensively. Your defense is going to keep you in your game. Your defense is going to give you opportunities to win games, but it could be in a situation where your offense may get something going too little too late because eventually Pittsburgh's offense is good enough that I believe that they're going to end up cracking at least 20 in this game. So for Clemson, this offense has to figure out to get something going. The offensive line has struggled this season. And you look at a Pittsburgh defense that has came on, okay? Like, I remember seeing, like, a little um graphic when they were playing against Virginia Tech this past weekend. I think they're, like, the best man coverage team in all of college football. They've only given up one touchdown and man coverage. So, if you're Pittsburgh and you're their defensive coordinator, you're basically going to tell your corners, you're going to say, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play up. We're going to sit on those short routes and we're going to force Clemson. If they're going to beat us, they're going to have to prove to us that they can stretch the field and that they can throw the football vertically on us. We're not going to allow them to just sit back and dink and dump their way down the field. We're going to force them to have to beat us throwing the football deep and prove to us that we're going to have to play off on these wide receivers. So that's what my game plan would be going against Clemson because they don't really have a lot of deep explosive play in the passing game and on top of that I feel like the rank game with Kobe Pace has been a little bit better over the last couple of weeks um death has kind of been a little bit of an issue for Clemson this year well not even a little bit a big issue because they've had a lot of injuries and things like that and they haven't really had you know like the guy who has submitted himself as that lead back this season. I kind of feel like Kobe Pace is starting to kind of, you know, pull away because over the last two games, he's been solid. He had 14 carries for 76 rushing yards, 5.4 yards per carry average in the touchdown against Syracuse last week against Boston College, 6.9 yards per attempt, 18 carries for 125 rushing yards and a touchdown. So I feel like Kobe Pace has to get the ball more. He only got got the ball 14 times 18 times like I really feel like Kobe Pace maybe he needs to start becoming a focal point of the Clemson offense I feel like now he's in a situation where now you probably want to try to get him 25 to 30 carries in this game because I feel like Clemson needs to be a little bit more reliant on the run game than what they have been because the passing game is failing him and I don't think it's because of DJ Uyangale I just think it's because of these wide receivers not really being all that great or not being all that well developed right now. Now, my question is, okay, if you're Clemson, what is going to be the recipe to getting this offense going? Well, when you have a team that's good in man coverage, a good way to attack those man coverage defenses is by, you know, having your wide receivers running routes that kind of confuse man coverage like okay like for example let's say you are in a bunch formation you could have you know wide receivers going like having crossing routes that's a good way to attack man coverage because if you're having crossing routes that means that you know those man coverage defenders they're going to have to communicate with each other okay and on top of that you're going to have to need some of these wide receivers to try to have some big plays down the field when they're winning those 50-50 matchups that's another thing 
everything that has to happen. But also, if you have a team that likes to run a lot of man coverage, that probably means that they're pretty good when it comes to their pass rush. So for Clemson, your offensive line is going to have to hold up and they're going to have to give DJ Uyungle some time to throw the football. Now, if you're a pit, this is probably how the game is going to go, okay? I don't think that Pittsburgh's offense is going to explode like how they've had so far this year because their defense is too good for that. But for Pittsburgh... All you really need to do is to make sure when it comes to the fourth quarter that you're able to put some points up on the board. At some point, Clemson's defense is going to get tired and they're going to get worn out. They're not Wolverines. They're really well coached, but eventually their offense is going to have to be able to do something. And for Pittsburgh, you just have to make sure that you're able to put up enough points late in this game that this offense for Clemson is going to be put in the spot that, okay, they're going to have no choice but to go for on the fourth down. They're going to have to, instead of taking a field goal, try to punch in the end zone. Like, you're going to have to put some pressure and you're going to have to make sure that Kenny Pickett doesn't try to be Superman, that he doesn't try to do too much. Because going against a defense like Clemson, you try to do too much, and you're going to end up turning the football over. So we're really going to be able to just see just how good with the football Kenny Pickett is when it comes to ball security and decision making because this is a very aggressive Clemson defense you also got to understand that this is a defense and these players on defense understand that their offense is struggling so they're going to try to be super aggressive when it comes to taking the ball out going for interceptions and whatnot so for Pittsburgh you have to try to tell Kenny Pickett hey man if nothing's there, nothing's there. Don't try to do too much with the football because I really feel like against a team like Clemson that has this kind of defense, you don't really want to try to do anything too reckless because then you turn the football over and you help this Clemson offense out and then you get them a short field. Also, something that's going to be really important is going to be special teams. The field position battle is going to be really key in Clemson's department because field position, if they're working with a short field against their offense you know a little bit more leeway because then they don't have to drive down the field so much to put some points on the board so I really feel like the special teams area is something that Clemson absolutely has to win if they want to be able to win this game now the team that I'm taking to win this game I am going to take Clemson and I was really close to picking Pittsburgh to win this game. But the reason why I'm going to take Clemson to win this game is because even though I don't have a lot of faith in their offense, I feel like their defense is going to be able to come away with some key stops, be able to get this offense into good field position where maybe they end, they start a drive on like the 40, you know, mid 30 yard line. And they're in good field position where they have a short field. They don't have to do too much to at least put maybe a field goal on the board and also I look at this Pittsburgh offensive line I'm trying to figure out how good is this offensive line because you're going against a Clemson defensive line that's loaded with a lot of talent and they're going to give you a lot of problems on top of that I think that that Pittsburgh defense is okay but I do feel like 
Clemson's offense should be able to put a little bit of points up on it. So I think the first team who gets the 20 points is going to win this game, even though Pittsburgh's offense has been really good all year. I really feel like Clemson's defense is going to be able to, you know, slow them down because I think they're going to be able to win this game up front. I think they're going to be better than the offensive line that Pittsburgh has, and they're going to cause a lot of havoc. And that's why I'm going to have to take Clemson to get the win and to get the upset. It sounds crazy me saying that Clemson's going to upside Pitt, but I, it's just weird. But I think Clemson's going to end up winning this game, and I'm going to take Clemson with the upset. Last game that we have to talk about, we have eighth-ranked Oklahoma State, still undefeated on the year, going on the road to take on the Iowa State Cyclones, who are 4-2. and two. Iowa State is a 6.5-point favorite heading into this game. This game is going to kick off 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Now, I haven't really heard much about Iowa ever since, you know, their lost to Iowa. You remember Iowa State had a lot of preseason hype going into this year. Season didn't really get off to a good start. The offense was struggling and they end up losing to Iowa and then, you know, haven't really heard much about them. But I think that this is an Iowa State team that is starting to figure some things out offensively. But at the same time, you know, I don't really want to go out and make that bold statement because Iowa State Cyclone fans are going to be like, JTR offense has been clicking. And yes, it has, but at the same time, you know, I don't really think that you've been matched up against a great defense like a Oklahoma State during that run. And Oklahoma State's defense is one of the best in college football and when you look at both these two teams I feel like both these two teams have like the same or similar playing styles in terms of what they like to do you look at Oklahoma State Jalen Warren has been one of the best running backs in college football this year. Last week against Texas, he had 193 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per attempt on 33 carries. And you look at Brees Hall, 30 carries last week against Kansas State for 197 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 6.6 yards per carry. So for both these two football teams offensively, we know what they want to do. They want to run the football. They want to try to control time possession. And they want to beat you down physically, okay? Now, when it, when you look at these two defenses, these are two defenses that are both really good. Oklahoma State, 25th in the nation in points per game allowed. 15th in total yards per game allowed. 33rd against the pass and 14th against the run. Iowa State's defense, 14th in points per game allowed. 3rd in yards per game allowed. They got the best pass defense in coverage football statistically. And they're 20th against the run. So you're looking at two really good defenses. And two good defenses that are really good against the run. So if you have two teams who have two great run games, but also have two great run defenses, what if they end up canceling each other out? There has to be another deciding factor in terms of who's going to win this game. And I think it's going to come down to the quarterback play. Brock Purdy? or Spencer Sanders, which quarterback is going to be more efficient? Key word, more efficient. I, most people are going to say it's going to come down to the quarterback that plays better, but I think it's going to come down to the quarterback that's more efficient with the football. Which quarterback 
is going to be able to take care of the football and not turn the football over and which quarterback is going to be more accurate with the football because both of these two QBs have been pretty hit or miss this year especially Spencer Sanders like Spencer Sanders last week against Texas didn't play well he hasn't really played well all this year last week he was 19 32 178 passing yards a touchdown and an interception he also had a touchdown on the ground like he did what he needed to do but he wasn't really all that impressive look at Brock Purdy he has kind of picked things up but he's not really asked to do all that much so I want to know which quarterback is going to be able to be efficient and which quarterback is going to be able to make the big plays when it matters the most you know right that be with their legs or with their arm but you look at Spencer Sanders like he doesn't really have the best offensive line like the offensive line for OK State has been, you know, kind of a talking point all year for Mike Gundy and Cowboy fans. So, you know, not all his fault, but also you got to look at the fact that neither of these two teams really have a lot of explosive playmakers on the outside when it comes to their wide receivers. So this is going to be a game that's going to be probably I won't say it's going to be low scoring like I do think that these two offenses are going to be able to put up a good amount of points but I feel like this is going to be a game that's going to come down to field position special teams if you start and you get the ball inside of the 10 yard line and you go through and out and you have to punt the ball you're going to end up giving your opponent good field position it's going to come down to which team's going to win the turnover battle it's also going to come down to which team is going to be able to get off the field on third down because these are two teams that like to run the football which means that in third down situations they're probably most likely going to be in third and short majority of the time which means that not only do you have to be able to get off the field in those third and short situations but something else that I want to see these two teams do I want to see which team is going to be able to win on first down okay because if you win on first down let's say Iowa State's in a first and 10 situation, okay, and they do a run play to Breeze Hall and ends up being a result of minus three on the play, then that means they're going into a second and 13 situation. So there's either two things they can do. They can either try to run the football again, or they can try to go for a pass play to make it a more manageable third down situation. Meanwhile, if Iowa State on first and 10 let's go back to that first and 10 play they handed off the breeze hall he gets five six yards you're putting them in a situation where they're going to be in a manageable situation come third down where they can still have the opportunity to run the football same thing of oklahoma state so i want to see which defense is going to put a team in a more uncomfortable situation where they have to get away from the run game and try to pass the football to keep the drive alive so I'm going to take Oklahoma State to pull off the victory because I don't really know, man. I really feel like this defense for Oklahoma State is really special. And although Spencer Sanders is really hit and miss, like he's really inconsistent, he's a really athletic runner. He also can do some damage with his legs. But I think that Oklahoma State is the better team than Iowa State. And that's why I'm going to take them to win this game. I think they're going to win 20 to 17. It's going to be my final score prediction in this game. You guys let me know who you guys have winning down in the comment section down below. If you are watching this on youtube and make sure that you go ahead and check out the jt sports podcast every video that's uploaded on the channel is available on audio format 
on all podcasts and platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. All you got to do is click the link down in the description down below. And this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Also, make sure that you go ahead and share this podcast episode in your social media pages with your friends, family, acquaintances. And I will see you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast shortly.